You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Planancia's podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Gidee, and I am your host and also a CFP, which stands for a Certified Financial Planner. And I am here today with my guest, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Do you want to give our listeners some of your details? So um, how old you are, where you live, single, married, parent, all that jazz. Absolutely. Yes. So um, I'm 25. I live in North Carolina. I am married. Um, We've been here for about a year now, um, officially. And um, I just work. No kids, just two for babies. We have two cats. (laughs) But um, other than that, yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) Now, did you relocate to North Carolina? You said that you've been there about a year? Yes. Yeah. So I'm originally from Virginia, went to college there and everything. Um, My husband is actually in the military. So um, we got stationed here for the next little while. Oh, very nice. So you're at Fort Bragg? We are actually at Camp Lejeune. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very nice. I did some in, back in the day, I did some touring of army bases with my boyfriend of many years oh okay nice yeah I've seen a lot of the bases gotcha yeah my husband he's actually in the navy um but he works with the marines so that's why we're here at this base very nice and then where do you work so I'm a registered dietitian um I have two jobs, actually. It's kind of a funky situation, which I thought would be kind of good to get your insight on as well. Um, But I work for um, a company out of Virginia. It's a weight loss clinic, and it's all done virtually. So I work for them two days a week. It usually ends up being about 12 hours a week or so. And then I work for um, a private practice here in North Carolina. Um, I work for them partially um, virtual. So probably like, I don't know, 50% of my patients I do see virtually. And then um, let's see. And then I go down um, to where the office is located two days a week. So. Okay. So you're working essentially full time just with two different jobs. Yes, I am. Yeah. The hours are a little funky. It's probably not quite 40 hours um, on average, but pretty close to it. Yeah. Okay. 
So 50% virtual and then 50% in the office for the private practice. Mm-hmm. So then you don't have any benefits, but you don't need benefits, right? Because you get it through your husband. Right. Yeah. So I have health insurance through him, which is awesome. So I don't have to worry about that bill. Um, but yeah, I do not get benefits from either. Um, well, actually, let me back up. So I work um, for the place in Virginia. That's the 12 hours a week. And I am considered an employee for them. So they do take out um, like Medicare, Medicaid, all that stuff. But for my job um, here in North Carolina, it's I work as an independent contractor. So, uh, so your second job is you're a, a W-2, which means that they take out all the benefits for your first job. And then your second job, you're 1099. Yes, exactly. Yep. And with your first job, do you get retirement benefit? Like, is there a retirement plan? I don't know. Um, I do have a Roth IRA that I opened at the beginning of this year. And I love Roth IRAs. Yeah. I thought um, just from the few things that I've heard, it's best for being like that independent contractor. Um, ideally, I do want to like have my own business one day. So um, I did that. But I have about a little over 1500 in that account right now. Good. Okay. So give me a rundown on um, your financial situation. So how is everything budget-wise? Like what's coming in, what's going out, savings, debt? Yep. Okay. So um, I have it hourly. um, And then also um, I get paid every two weeks. So I kind of broke it down a couple of different ways. But for my um, job down here in North Carolina, I make 44 an hour but I only get paid for like the billable time that I'm with my patients. So um, even if I'm working all day, Wednesday and Friday, I don't necessarily unfortunately make um, all of that money. Um, And then, so every other week I end up getting about on average, a little over 800 for them. Okay. So 800 every other week. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like 810 was the average ended up being. And then um, for the one in Virginia, that's completely virtual. Um, I actually just got a raise, so I'm going to be making $30 an hour. And then every other week at my old salary or like old hourly rate, which was 25, I was making about $435 every two weeks. So that'll go up just a little bit moving forward. And so the interesting thing for the listeners to know, and you probably already know this, but the difference between the two with the W-2 is that they are taking out your, as you said, the Medicare on the social security, they're paying the other side of it for you and you're having your portion deducted and that's not happening with the 1099. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Are you contributing to social security and Medicare? Are you doing both sides of that for yourself with your 1099 work? Yes. So I will have to, um, I've been keeping track of like my expenses and since I do work virtually a lot of the time, like my driving and all of that using, um, the QuickBooks self-employed app. Um, actually, yeah, yeah, you might be able to do like a home office too, but I'm not yeah. positive. You'd have to definitely check with an accountant. Okay, yeah, I will. Um, yeah, I need to figure a few more things of that. But so, actually, one of the questions I had for you, and I don't know if this would be more of an accountant question or for you, is in terms of like saving for all of that stuff. What percentage of my paycheck ideally should I be putting back, and should I be doing like paying into it quarterly, or should I wait until the end of the year to like pay the taxes on that? This is your first time, right? This is this is the first year, I'm assuming. Yep, I started in January doing this. Okay, because I would, yeah, because you're not on estimated, which is my indication that you hadn't done it for a full tax year yet. Mm-hmm. So you might just 
it might not be a choice to be on estimated tax payments. And so for the listeners to, um, what that means is when you're self-employed, if, if it comes to the end of a tax year and you owe the government or the IRS money, they don't like to wait for their payments. So typically then your accountant will put you on what's called estimated or quarterly tax payments so that you have to pay in a certain amount every quarter based on your prior year earnings mm-hmm. is usually how they do it. So I think that it just depends on where you fall at the end of the year and where how much you end up owing. Mm-hmm the taxes, whether or not you'll be on quarterly, it's definitely an, an accountant question. Okay. Um, but it isn't a bad idea for you just to be setting aside the money on a quarterly basis just to get used to the payment because it is very possible that you end up on quarterly tax payments. Mm-hmm. So you pay, would pay in 6.2% for your side of Social Security and then the employer side, which is your business, would pay in another 62 mm-hmm. So 12.4% total for Social Security and then Medicare total for both sides, employer and employee, is 2.9. So that's what you would want to set aside for that, just that. Like that's not including your taxes. So then you would also want to set aside for wherever you think you're going to be tax-wise as well. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're going to owe total 20% federal, then plus 20% to that. So then you should be setting aside a little over 35%. I am currently only setting aside 20%. So that. Good to know. (laughs) And the thing is, if it ends up that you don't owe as much, um, but I do think it's a good idea for you to pay into Social Security and Medicare. Mm -hmm. So you're going to, so the way it works with your own business is you would have, you would write off expenses and you would only be paying in the Social Security and Medicare for your, your salary portion, not on the total gross, right? But just remember your, whatever you're going to be allocating, that's going to be your income. You'd want to have the Medicare and Social Security and then t- federal taxes. And then if there's any state taxes. Okay. Got it. It always ends up being much higher than people think. Well, that's not good. <laughs> usually. I mean, usually it ends up being higher than people think. And it's better to put away as, put away a little bit more money mm-hmm. than you think. Because no one ever, at least in my experience, no one ever is like, oh, I'm really upset that I saved you know, 10,000 for the IRS and they only took eight. It's usually where you only save eight and you owe 10, where it feels terrible. Yes, absolutely. And I was thinking also, I guess with my other job that where I am a W-2, um, I will most likely get a little bit back because I have in the past. Um, so I guess that would go towards... That would go towards your obligation. So you probably won't get anything okay. back. Because the government, so the government isn't going to look at it as like twofold. They're not going to be like, oh, well, you have W-2 and you overpaid here. So we're going to send you $300 and then you underpaid on your 1099. So now you owe us. The government is going to look at is a, is a combination and be like, you owe us X amount of dollars for 1099 work and you overpaid on your W-2. So we're keeping those monies and then reducing your obligation on the other. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. It's a little bit of an adversarial relationship with them. <laughs> Yeah, keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, I would definitely set aside a bit more than twenty percent because you're going to pay in the Social Security, Medicare on your, and you pay both sides as an employer mm-hmm. and employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why you're getting so much less. I mean, uh, you have a higher rate, but if your rates were equal on your 1099 work versus your W two, you would get so much more on the, the 1099 work because all of those other withholdings are your responsibility. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, and I'm actually kind of questioning a little bit about the reimbursement that I am getting for the 1099 work, um, just based on 
kind of that large percentage that I will have to pay that they're not paying. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if this is really something that you could comment on or not, but I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. So <laughs> with my, like with that job, so I make 40% of the insurance reimbursement rate that they collect for the patients and then they keep 60% of it. And so I don't really know like what is fair, like moving forward as an independent contractor in general, like, I guess I'm not really sure what to ask for or what is expected in that type of situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that is is a very good question. I think it's going to be industry specific about what a fair split would be Mm -hmm. on the insurance billing, right? Because like our, you know, financial services is going to be different than healthcare Mm -hmm. and so forth. I think what would be a good idea for you is I definitely think having an accountant would be helpful. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just because you can then figure out with the 1099 work, you get, you could have a business, right? And then you could write off potentially, and I'm not an accountant, so my disclaimer is you need to seek an accountant, but let's just do a hypothetical. You are able to write off at home office. You're able to set up a business retirement account for yourself because this is now a business and this is your client, right? The 1099 employer is your client and you have your own business, right? And they contract you out mm-hmm. with your company. So then you get to have the benefits of having a small business. So there are benefits to that. The The other side of it is there's a bit more work, right? With the W-2, everything's taken care of, care of for you. With the 1099 work, you have the opportunity, but also the obligation to set that all up yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's twofold. Mm-hmm. I think it's an opportunity, but it's also it's work, right? Because you have to get the accountant, figure, figure it out, say, what are we going to, you know, how does it work? What can I take as a business expense. Um, you could set up a retirement account through that. You can usually, for a small business and owner, you can do either a simple IRA or a SEP, um, and that allows you to put money away as the employer and also as the employee. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of flexibility with it, but it's not as straightforward as just a W-2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely learning that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's good that you're doing it now, honestly, because we're, for the listeners, we're about halfway through the year. And so she started, you started this in January. Mm-hmm. The way that most people figure it out is they go to pay their taxes in April and they're like, oh, shoot, I thought I got to keep all that money. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I thought the whole 800 was mine. And then it's like, no, 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 you have a partner here. Yes. Yeah. Thankfully, I have a friend who's a dad is accountant um, and yeah, we've kind of been talking about it. So I've understood a little bit more than I did before. And that's why I'm trying to. That's perfect. That's a great, that's definitely a great resource. I'm really a big fan of using professionals when you need them rather than waiting. Because the thing is, if it ends up being a mess at the end of the year with the, you know, you end up owing, you're like, I don't want to do this again, then you'll probably hire an accountant at that point. It's usually better off to do it in the beginning and get it all squared away, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm definitely the same way. I like to have everything in order instead of having to backtrack and figure everything out. (laughs) Figure it out after. So I don't think there's a right, I mean, then once you kind of figure out what you're going to, here's the way I would do it. I would work with an accountant and kind of figure out after you take your business expenses, what are you really netting an hour, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're paying 44, but you're not getting to keep $44 after the Medicare and the Social Security and then the taxes. So we have to just figure out what's the benefit, what are you getting to write off? So what is really going in your pocket after? And then you can kind of compare it to your W-2 work and see where you fall. 
That's how I would, that's what I would look at. And then the other thing, obviously you can do is you could talk to other people that are in your industry and figure out what is a fair split and what do people usually get with your specialty and as a 1099. But the, the, the quickest way you can do just on your own is look at what you're netting on your 1099 work, what actually goes in your pocket versus what goes in your pocket on the W-2 work. We know that that's 435, mm-hmm. right? Right. Okay. And so that would be like figuring out what potentially like 30 or 35% of the 810 is and then subtracting that, would that kind of be? Well, you'd also want to take into consideration if you are, if you're going to be writing off anything, Okay. right? Mm-hmm. So as a 1099, you can say you're a business, right? Mm-hmm. So is your home office something that is part of the business is the computer part of your business, right? There's mm-hmm. different expenses you have as a business owner. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are the things that you're getting a tax break on to run your business, right? Mm-hmm. So what are you actually getting to put in your pocket after that? And I would, I would use an accountant for that. Okay. Got it. Yes, I will definitely do that. So talking about saving money. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite topic. <laughs> Mine too. So I've been trying to put back money to save, but obviously I'm learning I need to put more even just for taxes. So I'm probably not saving quite enough just for myself. So I wanted to kind of see what your um, recommendation was in terms of like what percentage of your income should you put back, like how much you should have kind of as like an emergency fund and I am hoping to potentially start my own business or just seeing clients on my own, not working for this company, um, hopefully starting next year. So that will reduce the amount that I am bringing in, the 810. I'll probably keep initially. Yeah, yeah. initially. Um, so kind of having a, an idea of like financially what I need to do to prepare for that. So I like having an emergency fund because you don't have children. And I would say that your husband's job is pretty stable with the government. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a corporate job where they have layoffs every quarter. Mm-hmm. And are you able, if you're not bringing in money, are you able to survive on just his income? Yes, um, we can. It's very tight, but we did for a little while. Yeah. Okay. So it wouldn't be like you wouldn't be out on the street. You no. Would be, okay. So then you need a little bit with, so those are different factors that are unique to your situation where you could survive on just one income if you had to, right? If there was an emergency and you weren't bringing in as much money. Mm-hmm. So I would say then I would try and target around, now, do you own a house? We don't, we rent. We rent, okay. Because you own a house, you need more money too because things go wrong and it's super expensive. And usually with a house, in my opinion, things go wrong in like threes. It's like <laughs> a three things go wrong. It's never just like one thing that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So I would say probably about three to six months, start targeting three is the minimum for an emergency fund. So three months of your necessary spending. So rent, do you have any student loans? I don't, no. Perfect, okay. So rent mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> would be... A definitive. Do you have a car? I do, but actually both of our cars are paid off. Oh my gosh, this is great. I know. <laughs> okay, so you probably don't need that much for an emergency fund. So you want to be able to cover all of your basic needs for three months. And basic needs, I mean like not going out to dinner and not getting manicures, like just mm-hmm. surviving for three months. So it sounds like for you that would really just be rent and food mm-hmm. and like utilities. Right. So that's what I would target as an emergency fund. The more you have in it, the better, the more financially secure you'll be, right? Because then if anything does come up, you have cash on hand. Mm -hmm. How much do you have saved right now? Do you have an emergency fund? Yes, actually, let's see. So I currently have about 
8,500. Perfect. In my accounts right now. So that's pretty decent, I think. And so I was based on kind of, I'm not really able to save very much. Like I'm thinking about having to put more into my like savings for like my taxes and stuff. And I'm like, I'm really not going to have that much left over. So I'm kind of hoping that like what I already have saved (laughs) would be pretty close to what I would need, but I wasn't sure. And how, well, how much is your rent? We are paying, it's about 900 a month. Yeah. So you have like almost, you definitely cover your rent for eight months, just you with Mm -hmm. your savings. And how do you and your husband do it? Because everyone does it differently. Do you keep your money and that's for your expenses and split everything 50-50 or? Yes. So it's a little complicated. Um, so uh, we do like keep our money like separate um, for right now. We're actually pretty recently married and haven't really combined very much. Okay. But he gets basic housing allowance. So we use that for the rent. So I actually don't even have to contribute to that. That's fantastic. Yes. So we are definitely in a pretty good situation. Perfect. So then what I would do is I would say I would continue to save money out of your income for your tax payment. And and then if you have, especially your first year figuring this out, I don't, there's, I would be happy if you had more cash. We can, you can always do something with it down the road. If you end up not owing it for taxes, you can throw it in your Roth, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of downside to being overly prepared in my opinion for this. I think that 8,500 is a great emergency fund and that will give you a buffer if you end up owing taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would continue to save out of your out of your income. I guess if I just had to give you a ballpark, I would say try and save 30% of that and just put that aside. Because then with what you currently have saved and if you save 30% of your W, not your W-2, out of your 1099, that should be a good buffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and But disclaimer, because I always have to give disclaimers, you have to check with an accountant. So okay. I had a ballpark, I would say 30 Gotcha. So is that 30 in addition to like the 35 you mentioned previously with the taxes? I would start with 30. Okay. Because if you owe 5%, if you're 5% off, that shouldn't be too big of a deal. Okay. Right. Because you have an extra 8,500 in cash. Okay. Got it. And then that way, you know, until you sit down with an accountant, at least you're saving up until then. And then that accountant, whomever you meet with can adjust that number, whether it's 29 or 33, right? They can just... Mm-hmm. adjust and then for retirement because you're young if you could swing it and I know I'm spending all of your money here <laughs> uh, I think that 20 percent is a great rate the the minimum is 10 um, but when you're because you're so young you have compounding of interest on your side which means you just have more time so you don't need to save quite as much but if you can it'll just make a huge difference for you okay so I want to give you an example actually a client sent this to me I don't know if she listens to the podcast or not, but I kind of laughed a little when she sent it to me because I've been talking to her about compounding of interest forever and I feel like she just got on board with it. <laughs> okay, so she sent me the story of two sailors, which I love. I'm just trying to look at this PDF she sent me because she decided she wants to be saver B, receiver A and saver B. But you have the fortunate, because of your age, nothing else, but um, you can be Saver A. Saver A does really, really well. Um, so Saver A starts saving at age 26 and puts away annually 1800 which 1800 sounds like a lot, but if you do it monthly, you don't have to do it annually, but if you do it monthly, then it's not as big of a number. Um, mm-hmm. So to give you an idea, 1800 if you were doing that over the 12-month period, is $150 a month. Okay. Right? So that's not a terrible mm-hmm. amount. Okay, so so Saber A starts at 26. We'll give you like a year to do this. (laughs) 
Um, and then if you put away 1800 from 26 till 65 every year, um, you end up with $1.7 million. Wow. Okay. I know. <laughs> so, this, okay. So this is saying that you're putting it in a tax deferred account and you're earning 12%. It's 150 a month for the next 40 years. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the numbers are crazy. Yeah, I feel like it's totally doable. <laughs> totally do. I know, but see, the key is you're young. Now, if you if you try to start this at 35, the number would be totally different. Okay, got it. Because the, the way to think about it is, I like to call it like the magic of 10. Mm-hmm. So, I think that 12% is a little bit high for. I mean. Who knows what the market will do, but that's a big, you know, 12% is a high number. So maybe you don't make 12%. You would still have a lot of money saved in retirement by doing $150 a month. But what you want to think about is the more times that you get 10 years in, that's usually if you're, if you're earning less than that, if you're earning 7.2% interest, your money doubles every 10 years. So the more 10 year increments you have, the better off you are. So at 25 to 65, you have 40 years, you have four doubles. Okay. Yeah. If you start at 35, you only have three doubles. If you start at 45, you only have two. The less doubles, the more money you need to save. So do you think that since like financially we are doing okay right now, I should put maybe like... Sock away the money. Okay. Because <laughs> at some point it'll get more complicated, right? Like you might... I mean, you might have kids or, I mean, if your husband stays in the military, you'll keep getting a housing allowance, but maybe he gets out of the military and then you don't have it. I don't know. There's so many things that could change. I would say that if you can afford to do it now, mm-hmm. I would sock it away. Okay. Do you think and, I put like a larger amount than like that 1800 like base? Yeah. If you can do more than 150 a month, if you could even do, so let's just say you're making every two weeks. I don't want to count the 800 because it's not really a net number, but let's just say if you did 200 a month, it'd be roughly 10% based not knowing exactly where you're going to come out netting on your 1099 work. Mm-hmm. So I think that you should do, if you can do over 200 a month, I would be very happy. I would say like 250 maybe. And mm-hmm. the thing to remember is if there's a month that you can't do it because something comes up, there's some sort of expense, that's fine. You don't like, that's just one month, mm-hmm. dial it back. And then next month, go back to it. Mm-hmm. But if you can suck it up and save a bunch of money between now and 30, I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm just telling you, compounding of interest is a real thing. The story, you know, these are real examples I'm giving you. Where, and I did it myself. I really sacrificed and saved a ton of money, a, not a ton of money. It wasn't a big dollar amount. It was a large percentage of my income. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it doesn't have to be a large, you don't have to put six grand away, but you, if you can get yourself closer to a 15% percentage of your income or 20% of your income, it'll make a huge difference. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So this is why I think it's going to be really important for you to work with an accountant. So you know what your net number is. Cause right now you're, you're bringing in 800 every other week. It feels like you have a lot more money, but then when you go to pay the taxes, it's not going to feel like that. So if your actual net monthly comes to 1600 a month that's what you net after you allocate your money for your taxes and your other company takes out taxes and medicare and social security mm-hmm. so then 20 of 1600 is 320 dollars a month okay yeah so i think your savings should probably be somewhere between 200 and 300 a month and i i think that at the moment you could you you could do that amount into the roth ira and not be above the limitation okay got it and i do some people, you're better off like with a business that so you could do stuff pre-tax. 
So I'd be on the fence. I'd be interested to see what the accountant would think if the pre-tax benefit is going to behoove you. But it doesn't sound like, I don't know where you fall tax with you and your husband because you're going to be married filing joint. So I really like the Roth IRA. If you can kind of front load that while you're young and you don't need the tax break, it doesn't seem like you need the tax break right now. Right. Yeah. I don't right now. So it seems like you could, you could, you would be able to manage two to 300 a month without having a problem after tax. Mm-hmm. So since you can, I would do it. Okay. Well, and because for some reason I thought the Roth IRA was the only one that I had available to me that like, or maybe I'm confused. No, no, no. You have a, you could do a traditional IRA too. That would just give you a tax break. But since you have enough money for an emergency fund and you have a lot, you don't have many expenses. Like you really just have rent, which is covered with your husband's stipend. Mm-hmm. You don't have student loans. You don't have any debt. I would take advantage of that and I would do the Roth. Okay. Got it. And then um, I know I've heard of the, like the SEP one or what is the other one that you mentioned? Oh, the SEP, the SEP, the STEP yes. IRA. Yeah. The SEP IRA and the Simple IRA are specifically for businesses um, or small businesses, I should say. So SEP IRA stands for Simplified Employer Pension IRA. And then the Simple IRA um, is also for a small business. One is a little bit better for solo entrepreneurs and one is a little bit better if you have a few employees generally, but they're both meant for small businesses. So they give you, they're saving pre-tax and they allow you to save more than a Roth IRA or traditional IRA. Mm-hmm. But that being said, even if we get you to your target of like 300 something dollars a month, you still, the step and the simple will allow you to save more, but I don't think you need to save more than 20%. I think that's a great savings ratio. So at certain point when you got above the, the limit, you know, the $6,000 limit for the traditional older IRA or the Roth IRA, mm-hmm. then you could look at or set, but I think for right now, since you don't really need the tax break and you have very little expenses and you have good income, I would take advantage of doing the Roth. Okay, got it. And you can switch it. So let's say in three years, you you and your husband do need a tax break because you're not able to save 300 and you owe a ton in tax, then I would maybe switch to the tax, the tax break one. Because the Roth IRA, the money goes in after tax. And so I do, like I said, want to start my own business. I know that you did the same, made that leap and (laughs) opened up your own thing. Um, So do you have any advice like financially or really regarding anything of kind of making that leap into doing your own thing? I think doing your own thing is wonderful and I definitely recommend it. I think that you're at a huge advantage having health insurance covered because it was one of my biggest obstacles was my health insurance bill at $1,000 every month. So I would definitely do it now while you have you know, good coverage. Um, And then what I would do if I were you is I would keep one of your jobs so that you have income. And then I would work on your business with the other part of the time. I wouldn't go and quit both until you have your business up and running. Okay. That is a a very good job. So much less stressful. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of what I was leaning towards. I go back and forth with just like, I don't know, kind of wiping the slate clean and just starting on my own thing. But I would get anxious about not having any income for a little while. So yeah, that financial pressure, some people can handle it. But for me, like it was, I like very much always thought about going to get a waitressing job the first year. I was just like, I just want to have cash in my pocket and I don't want to have all the stress, but 
if I had the ability, I couldn't work part-time. Like you have, you have the ability where you could work part-time and still make income in your field and then bring on your own client base. I didn't have that option. So since you do, I would totally use okay, that. Got it. And then did you use any type of like business coach or did you, what's your thought on like investing in yourself, I guess, to get things up and going? Or do you feel like, I feel like I know a lot of the information of like what I need to do to get started. I just sometimes have trouble implementing it and go back and forth with like not wanting to pay a bunch of money up front before I'm like making money in my business, but also wanting to like invest and like get kind of like a coach. I guess it's a small time. You have to spend money to make money and I'm pretty frugal. I take a lot of the advice that I dole out. <laughs> so I think that you have to spend money wisely. How would I put it that way? So I have a business coach, but I didn't spend money for a business coach for the first few years because I, I didn't have the luxury and I didn't want to make the spend to do things, something that I knew if I could just work a little bit harder at, you know, myself, like I knew what I needed to do for the business to work. I just, it would have been nice to have someone to check in with, but I, at the time, like it was really important that I had health insurance. And so I think that you have to look at what you're going to spend and where that's going to really what the return is going to be. And as you grow your business, you're definitely going to spend money on things that don't work. And that's just part of being a business owner. Not everything that you purchase or try is successful. You just have to keep mm-hmm. trying, you know? So I wouldn't spend, I, I do think that it's important when you first start to be scrappy. So to give you an idea, I built my own, like I didn't spend a ton of money on the website. Like I did a lot of that work myself. I did a lot of work um, on the graphic design myself. I did a lot of things that I could on my own so I could save money. But then obviously office space was important for me. So that was something that I had to spend on, spend on. And obviously health insurance was critical. So those sort of things. So I think you just need to do kind of a rundown of what you think is going to move the needle the most for your business. And then, so don't spend on everything, but pick the, you know, maybe pick two things you think are going to be really worthwhile to invest in. Because you do, you do have to invest in your business for it to be successful. Okay. Yeah. No. So, if you, so if you think that the business coach, if you know what you need to do, to be successful and the business coach is just going to reaffirm that then maybe not spend on that maybe spend on marketing do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. maybe advertising is a better spend for you because you've already been in the business and you kind of know what you need to do it would be nice to have it so maybe that's like a year two mm-hmm. goal okay yeah no that's great advice i would spend on an accountant those <laughs> <laughs> okay yes <laughs> that's definitely worth its weight in gold i think <laughs> okay yes okay great yeah do you have any other questions let's see I think those were the main questions that I had yeah no I think that's everything um that was very helpful thank you yeah absolutely well thanks for joining us yeah so I'm gonna wrap it up for our listeners so for everyone listening if you could rate and review us on iTunes we would just love that um, and you can follow us on Instagram at financial and also on Facebook. And then if you want to learn more about personal finance, check out our class that we have partnered with Sue Ulster at www.financial.com. American giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U S visit American giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code staple 20. That's 20% off your first order at American giant.com code staple 20.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.